Welcome to the HC Insider Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the commodities sector and the people within it. I'm your host, Paul Chapman. Today, we're talking ammonia. Currently a key product in fertilizer and certain plastics, it's also now being hailed as a potential big player in energy transition, notably green ammonia, which can either be used as a direct fuel in the combustion engine or as a carrier for the hydrogen molecule that will go into hydrogen fuel cells. Joining us to discuss is Christoph Savvy. Christoph is Managing Director of Ammonia at Tramo, the global trading house that has traded ammonia, among other products, for 50 years. Christoph, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Paul. Hi, how are you? Great. I'm, I'm excited to have this discussion. I know it's a big topic. It's a, a hot topic, dare I say it. We're talking ammonia, green ammonia, and its role in potential role in the energy transition. You've been, as a company, trading ammonia for 50 years. As, a, as an individual, you, you're global head of trading for ammonia. Before we kind of get off into the into why there's so much interest and, and why the, there's, a, there's a bright future here, potentially. Can you just give us a bit of an, an ammonia 101, <laughs> go back to our chemistry lessons, what is it, how is it produced, and, and where is it currently used? Yes, thank you, Paul. Yeah, it's uh, very important indeed to explain what ammonia is, because I'm, I'm not sure if uh, people uh, in the audience understand it all. Lorit, I know that in my surroundings, in my family and, and friends, very often I have to explain what it is. So I know it's not uh, very, very common and, and well-known. These days, we're talking more about ammonia because it's a, it's a carrier for hydrogen. So what is important to remember is that it's, um, it's made out of hydrogen, and hydrogen today is made out of natural gas, right? So basically, ammonia is a gas, which is a combination of hydrogen on one side and nitrogen on the other. So the nitrogen is coming from the air. The hydrogen is coming from water, right? So basically... You can crack both of them and, 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 make, uh, and make a molecule, which is called NH3, right? And um, hydrogen is also, now today, those days, produced out of natural gas, uh, breaking the molecule and the methane, right? And then you, you, you get hydrogen. And this is uh, what uh, the producers, uh, this is how the producers are producing ammonia today. You have to probably understand that we are talking about 200 million tons in the world produced uh, every year and 95% of, of this production today is um, gas uh, based right so this is clearly an issue when when you when you're discussing about decarbonization right which is a, a very hot topic these days and there is another way of, of collecting uh, hydrogen, right, which, which can be done without, without this uh, natural gas and therefore without CO2 emission. So that's why today we are going to, to, to review what is, uh, exists today, which is um, the world of yesterday, right, and what, will be, what could be the market of tomorrow, right? So this is a very exciting time because we know that you cannot change drastically uh, the whole configuration of this, of this market. But within 10, 15 years, there will be a lot of changes. Well, I mean, in the next 50 years, for sure. But in the next 10, 15 years, it will be exciting to be in, in, this, in this business, for sure. So staying on kind of the, the world of yesterday, the Harbour-Bosch process comes around in the, in the 1910s and launches the first green revolution because it's a way of producing ammonia, which goes into fertilizer, providing nitrogen to plants, 
it, on an industrial scale that allowed the, the, that, that first green revolution of, uh, of, of industrial farming. So that's the current predominant use of ammonia. That process itself, I think, is highly energy intensive. It comes from natural gas is the least energy intensive, but you can get it out of coal and, and other things as well. Can you just orientate us as to how big that market is, the current flows of ammonia is I, it's not transported as a gas, it's transported as anhydrous ammonia. Can you just set us up on the world of yesterday as you described it? Yeah, well, in fact, it's not so much a, a, green, a green revolution which led to this um, creation of the Aberbosch, right? The Aberbosch was, uh, was like a revolution in itself because it allows production of ammonia in synthetic form, right? Because ammonia can be created on, on a natural form, but in a very limited quantities and out of sudden being capable of producing it, then we were able to feed the world, right? This is uh, exactly what the, the fertilizer producers would explain, right? Say, well, without, without this, uh, this Aberbosch process, we would not been able to, to grow the population to an extent of having close to seven to eight billion people to feed now and uh, probably 10 tomorrow. And that's it's clearly because because of this and thanks to this, right? So that was an, a revolution which was uh, aimed to 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 feed the population, right? To give them uh, uh, something to eat, and uh, the, the focus was absolutely not on the energy side and and on the pollution side. Of course, we are talking about a century ago, and then there were a series of revolutions, uh, industrial revolutions, and um, improvements which, of course, uh, improved as well the way of uh, consuming energy and producing ammonia. So uh, after, after many years, uh, the consumption of energy was less important and is, is, is constantly uh, improving, right? But still, there is no other way today, right? I mean, there is no other manner, existing manner, to produce ammonia than consuming a high level of energy um, and that will be the same in the future. The, the only difference is that now we are capable of producing big quantities of green energy, right? So mm. you were talking about, about the past, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to the future again. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, green ammonia, you know, just quickly, green ammonia is, is nothing more than green energy, right, in, in reality. The revolution is, is at this level, at the energy level, more than on the ammonia level, which is going to be processed exactly the same way as before. Yeah, we'll come on to it, as you say. So basically the theory is at the moment, for the most part, ammonia has been produced by using hydrocarbon-based energy and intensively to make the ammonia. Whereas now, much in the same case as green hydrogen, now we have large quantities of economically sens sensible and available green power that you can use to crack and, and make the ammonia. And actually, the other bit, that's like the other revolution is that ammonia itself is now being seen potentially as a fuel, both directly in combustion engines, but also in, in hydrogen fuel cells. I guess that gives our audience a, where we're going. I'd, I find it fascinating. I just want to understand, you're in the business of trading ammonia right now. Can you just, who produces ammonia? Where is it produced? And then how is it traded? How is it transported? Yes, uh, well, the, the production uh, globally is close to 200 million uh, tons per year, as I said. And um, the trading market, the market in, in which we operate, is 10% uh, that size because most of the ammonia produced in the world is produced through 
to make urea, right, uh, to, to produce fertilizers uh, um, beyond that. And um, ammonia is produced in areas where uh, gas is available in a sufficient uh, manner, right? So you're talking about the usual candidates, right? Uh, the Middle East, uh, Russia, um, Caribs, the US, the, the US, of course, and Indonesia. Places like this are exporting ammonia, right? Our net exporter of ammonia. Most of them didn't build an ammonia plant for the sake of exporting it, right? It's excess of ammonia because they are, most of them, uh, urea um, or fertilizer producers, right? And they, they have excess of ammonia from time to time that they want to export. On the other side, you have exactly the, the opposite. You have, uh, you have consumers located, most of them, in places where uh, this uh, natural gas is not available and, and therefore there is no ammonia production. And uh, you can have uh, net fertilizer importers, right? But you can also have finished product, I mean, huh? but you can also have other fertilizer producers lacking this um, this raw material, like in India, for example, right? And more and more, we have industrial use of ammonia as well, because ammonia is uh, primarily used as a fertilizer, but in the, in the past two decades, we have seen the emergence of a very big market for uh, synthetic plastics, uh, engineering plastics, or textile, uh, you know, um, I mean, ammonia is used to, to produce certain derivatives uh, called uh, acrylonitrile or, or caprolactam, which are uh, they're very, uh, very important as well in the way um, we, uh, we produce uh, certain goods, uh, certain consumer goods, right? And those, and those producers, they don't produce themselves their own ammonia. So the interesting part that we have, uh, we have a large appetite and a good appetite for ammonia in places where there is no ammonia available in, in other places, uh, excess of ammonia that cannot be consumed on site and need to be exported. Therefore, our business is right in the middle, right? It's, uh, it's yeah, and it's been a lucrative, well, like all commodities. I mean, it's followed mm. largely the super cycle, right? There was, it was a fan, if I, I remember going to fertilizer conferences and it was a fantastic time in the 2000s and, and early 2010s. And then it's been a, a rough market coinciding with a lower prices, lots of cheaper natural gas. Can you, can you, can you just, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm fully right there, but I've got two questions. One is, yeah, has that market followed the sort of super cycle in general? And secondly, a more prosaic question would be physically, how is ammonia transported? Because you, you don't transport it as a gas, right? I'm going to answer the, the second question first. But the, um, yes, yeah, like, we, like Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. But we know, yes, we do transport it in the, in the gas form, except that this is liquefied. So it, 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 it is refrigerated ammonia, right? That we uh, refrigerate at minus. 33 degrees Celsius, and at that uh, temperature, then it becomes liquid, and, and therefore you can you, you can of course uh, transport more. We transport we transport it by by sea by uh, LPG carriers, exactly the same ships um, transporting butane or propane, right? Exactly the same, same technology, and the size of those shipments, right? In average, are ranging between 15,000 tons and 40,000 tons ships. The same ships exactly, or do you have to have designated ships of ammonia? Because it is, of course, I believe. No, exactly the same. Caustic material. Okay. Exactly the same. You you just need to to change 
of course, you, are, you, you have to clean the tank inside, right? Because you're not transporting the, the, same, the same gas, right? But uh, once you clean the tank inside, then you can uh, use the same ship for exactly the same. I mean, for, the, for those two products, for those uh, LPGs on one side or ammonia. So when you are in this business, you're also very uh, much focused on the LPG market because this will be the market that will provide the, the shipping liquidity, right, to our ammonia market. Because, of course, those ships mostly have been, have been made to transport LPG, which is by, by far a much bigger market than the ammonia market, as you can imagine. So mm-hmm. we used to say... I guess that um, the confusion comes from the fact that when um, uh, certain ships are turned to ammonia, then it's for a long time because the ship owners will not will not do this for just for one single voyage in a, a spot voyage uh, left and right. They they would uh, they would like uh, long commitments because it's it's very costly to change grade, but otherwise uh, technically they can it can do both. Right? fascinating so it is costly to go through the cleaning process it's costly yes because it it, re- it requires um, uh, times to clean the tank and then you have also to inject uh, nitrogen uh, to clean it etc so it's a it's a very complex uh, scheme fascinating to see you know because like i alluded to earlier sort of those really good times in fertilizer trading <laughs> yeah the super cycle yeah well in, yes indeed of course right we cannot deny that the prices went up big time during uh, the end of uh, the first decade of the century, 2008, 2009, and uh, and ammonia prices were also sky high. Well, just to give you, because here we are talking about about numbers, just to give the um, um, level, we were used to trade ammonia at around 300 dollar per ton, and then out of sudden it went up to seven to 800 dollar per ton, right? But of course. That was exaggerated. It did not, did not last too long, but it, it was uh, following the super cycle, um, uh, of course, the trend. The difficulty with ammonia is then, as I said, big portion of, of the buyers are fertilizers buyers. And then there is a limit to price they can pay because it goes to the production of, of uh, agriculture and it goes to under developed countries or in, in developing countries which cannot afford certain prices. And this is also one of the big question marks for the future because you you mentioned uh, earlier uh, to use ammonia as an energy, as a fuel, as a maritime fuel, right? And it's it's possible that certain markets or certain use, users and consumers of that ammonia in, in that form can afford a price that on the other side the fertilizer producers could not afford, right? And and I think it's mm. it's a it's a limitation to where prices could go. So at the time, clearly the market uh, was um, really uh, bullish and 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 had created a, a bubble which uh, very quickly went down, and it took the market uh, a long time to recover because the immediate reaction of this. But it it attracted a lot of new uh, new producers, right? Uh, attracted by those numbers, and there were a series uh, of projects and lower natural gas at the time, right? I exactly, remember, lower yeah, natural gas. Two thousand twelve. You know, I remember meeting you. I think in Boston, and it was the whole story was just how much new production was getting committed in the U.S. Gulf, right? Just as as a result of natural gas. Exactly. Yeah. No. Exactly. Right. You also have to know that this gas sometimes is coming in places where it will have to be consumed or flare. So you could have very, very cheap gas. And then uh, a lot of projects uh, were, were born uh, on this basis. On top of this, 
you had the shale gas revolution in the in the US, and the US uh, became out of sudden uh, exporter of gas and, uh, and derivatives and ammonia included, right? So all this production uh, coming in the market literally overflowed the market, and uh, we had the, I would say five to six years of um, technically long market, right, with a lot of supply available and the consumption uh, a little bit behind. Because in, in the end, uh, um, there is a limit to the to the number of fertilizer you can put on the ground, right? Uh, if you don't have new um, technological revolution, right, uh, the industry uh, brought uh, those, those those products, right, that I mentioned, acrylonitrile and carpolactam, plastics and textile, and indeed, right, uh, there is also uh, the need huh, for for, for this. Uh, for, for, for those products, but to, 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 to a point. Now we are talking about something new, right? We are talking about a new use of ammonia, which never really existed before, right? Uh, if, you, if you consider it as an energy, it's a third area in which ammonia is going to be consumed. And therefore, mm. now the, the, the picture is going to be opposite, right? Uh, from long to short, is going to take a few years. So uh, the difficulty for our market today and and the producers first would be uh, to be able to come together with uh, to, with the growth because demand is is, is there, right? But uh, it will be more difficult to to um, uh, to bring this, this new production in place, especially when you're talking about green technology, which is um, at the early stage, of course. And you know it's fascinating the parallels you alluded to there that in much the same way as ethanol or renewable diesel, you're competing with food once again, mm-hmm. and those are two different pricing differentials okay so let's let's see if I can get it right so you really i think we've got a clear picture of ammonia and its current uses and its role in in the chemical value chain. The idea is that ammonia couldn't be so on the one side is producing ammonia, use it replacing hydrocarbons by by renewable fuels, so basically wind and solar, to generate electricity, to crack the nitrogen and the water to create ammonia. That ammonia can then actually act as a fuel because it's much easier to liquefy than, say, hydrogen. It can act as a hydrogen carrier. It can go directly into combustion engines, although I think you have to mix it with some, some a little bit of some diesel or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it obviously then acts as a, uh, a carbon, a CO2-free combustion. There is issues about <laughs> nitrogen oxide being a far worse greenhouse gas than CO2 or far more potent. But the real kind of interest lies in this idea that ammonia then becomes a really efficient hydrogen carrier. It can then be split and the hydrogen goes into the the fuel cell. Am I on the right track there? Yes, correct. Just to to be be crystal clear, the ammonia is is always the same, right? You're only producing ammonia anyway, right? Uh, What what would differ is how you produce it. And if you produce it uh, green, so in other words, using green energy, Therefore, your cost of production is high because this is a new technology. You need to use a very expensive electrolyzers and you need a lot of energy as well based on, on wind and, and solar. But that is not really uh, the problem. The problem is that it, it's costly right, to, to organize. You know, if, uh, if you want to compare with an, an existing average plant today, an ammonia plant today in average would produce 400 to 700,000 tons per year, right? It's a, so it's a, it's a lot of uh, energy. 
that you you need to to repeat um, the same or even half of it with uh, with green energy. So you need a lot of that green energy. You need to be able to to control it, to store it, to produce ammonia with electrolyzers which are expensive, etc. And then after this, it would be exactly the same. It's Arbor Bosch process that will produce ammonia, and then this ammonia will be well, they, they call it gray, some, some call it brown or gray if it's based on, on gas, right? Because there were CO2 uh, emitted uh, during, during the production of this, uh, of this ammonia. Or you call it uh, green because it was produced using uh, green energy. Then this ammonia can go everywhere, right? But of course, to, um, we, are, we are wondering if you can sell today green ammonia, which is very expensive to produce, to... Uh, fertilizer producers in Africa, for example, right? So logically, we think that this green ammonia, which also the producers, right, of this green ammonia will want to target uh, much uh, lucrative uh, customers, right? And they don't think about the fertilizer people. They think about this maritime fuel or the uh, ammonia as a carrier for hydrogen. Right, and so it's like an entire uh, business model. It's like a, a business in uh, in parallel of the existing one, as if in the future we would have the grey ammonia, right? That because we will need this ammonia anyway, right? It cannot disappear. I mean, the, the green ammonia cannot substitute today uh, the grey ammonia. It will take it will take decades before it could anyway. This ammonia will be needed and will be probably cheaper. Or it could be limited as well because it depends on the regulation. Certain markets, like very mature and developed market like the US or the EU, right, could uh, could tax, right, or regulate this uh, grey ammonia. But on the other side, you have uh, the green ammonia that cannot go everywhere either because it's very very expensive to produce. And again, it will take decades also for them to reach uh, production cost capable of competing with the gray ammonia to other markets right so it's it's unclear on how those two sub I mean, it's the same product right but it's two category of the same product will will be mixed in the in in the first place exactly analogous to hydrogen right it was exactly the same scenario in that actually it will be a policy driven as to be able to achieve consumption of green hydrogen because economically it doesn't make sense to produce over gray hydrogen it does not even exist today, right? There's no ships capable of doing it in a, in a very uh, large scale, right? So, so this is uh, clearly a solution, but it will not it will not cons- it will not produce any CO2, right? But if this the same ammonia is, is produced using gas, right? This is what they call uh, well to tank, right? Well to tank, it will it will be it will be uh, producing CO2. And then when you consume this ammonia, it produces zero CO2, right? So the question is. Do I want to participate in a, in a cycle with absolutely zero CO2 in the, in the entire chain? Of course, the answer is yes, but you can't do it right away. You would have to go step by step and probably uh, in, a, in a transition time during which it will be okay to burn, right, if I, if I may say, to burn ammonia, which is produced based on gas. Because at least it does not uh, it does not create CO2 emission in the when it is burned, right? And then it will favor the emergence of uh, more green ammonia plants down, down the road, right? Because then if you if you are able to satisfy demand, you can you can entertain it and create uh, the ground for more investment to uh, green uh, green technology 
allowing more green ammonia to be available. Because of today, again, it says no way you can substitute uh, 200 million tons of, um, of um, gray ammonia, which is needed in the world. So on the production side, you've got effectively at the moment, there's no real market supporting necessarily. Yeah, there's no real market at the moment in any capacity. Right? There's a lot of test cases. The cost, the electrolysis technology around green ammonia is still very expensive. It can't compete. It can't get anywhere near the penetration needed into that 200 million ton market you discuss. This is more sort of theoretical at the moment, but what it has going for it compared to transporting if you're going to use it as hydrogen, as hydrogen, you know, transporting hydrogen is it's much easier to transport as liquid ammonia. And obviously, that said, there's a supply chain existing already to be able to do that. You've talked about its direct use as a maritime fuel. I did mention that, don't know my chemistry here, but your NOXs coming off, uh, that's also quite a potent greenhouse gas as well, right? So oh, is that really a solution, just using it as a maritime fuel? Yes, it is because uh, those knocks are quite easy to to capture, right? Um, uh, there is a technology for this, and this is affordable. I guess that most of the ship owners will be able to to capture a very large percentage of of those knocks. So, all in all, the balance is positive. And you know, when you compare uh, this with hydrogen, right? If if you the pollution today, right? The CO two pollution, sorry, the CO two emission is made out of the hydrogen production, right? I mean, the goal is really to replace the hydrogen production, right? So if if uh, you you want to transport hydrogen, then you, you, you're you not really solving the problem because I, I guess that hydrogen, apparently, there's uh, certain studies saying that it will pollute even more, right, than the fuel oil itself, right? So so the goal is really to, to limit the production of hydrogen, right, uh, in the form of gas, right, uh, coming out from, from, from the gas today, right? But uh, otherwise, ammonia as a fuel is, is a solution if you can do it. So the nirvana-like state is that you make green ammonia. That is a really efficient way of transporting the hydrogen fuel using existing infrastructure without all of the issues of piping hydrogen here, there, and everywhere. And this is the bit I guess I don't understand. At the point of consumption in a hydrogen fuel cell, you, you crack it to produce the hydrogen. Where are we at on the technology there? Because I was reading yesterday a, a 2006 study by the Department of Energy in the US that was basically saying we we're abandoning research because it's really any ammonia getting into the fuel cell ruins the fuel cell, and we don't think this is going to be a, a viable, at least for now. That's 14 years ago. Where, where are we now in, in that? Well, true that the, the calorific uh, value of ammonia is, is pretty low, right? It's less than um, fuel oil, right? So basically, uh, to cover the same distance, you would have to consume twice more. And if, um, as we said before, the production of green ammonia is expensive, you, you see, compared to oil, uh, you have a, a long way to go before <laughs> before you can you can really consider it as a viable. Uh, a solution because you need a lot of improvement on in terms of cost, but as well, we hope that the uh, ship engines will improve as well and will be new technology uh, available. If you talk to ship owners, they would be delighted to explain to you how they, they can improve many things on, on that front. But we, without those improvements, it's unlikely to see ammonia as a fuel before probably more than a decade for sure, right? I mean, I mean it's impossible for me to say, but it's, it's not uh, the primary target of, uh, of ammonia. So that's why 
I guess it's um, there's a lot of considerations uh, made as um, ammonia as a carrier for hydrogen, as long as you can produce this hydrogen green, which is the case. It's just a little bit expensive, but we are we are we are coming closer to um, affordable numbers. And then you transport it in the in the form of ammonia because uh, it's uh, it's right to say it the infrastructure, the supply chain is there and uh, and and major grid right. But then you you wonder okay what's the point then to uh, to break it down to hydrogen again right because then once you go to to the to the port of destination what do you do with this hydrogen I suppose that you want to uh, to spread it uh, in the country as an energy right but. Uh, who are the, where are the markets mature as well to develop, to distribute this hydrogen, right? Except maybe a little bit in the in the U.S. Uh, in, the, in the U.S. Gulf, right? Uh, maybe um, certain countries in Northwest Europe, but that that's about it. They they would also need huge investments, right? And I suppose that this analysis that you read was also mentioning the large amount of money, the billions of, of dollars that you need. To create this net more for hydrogen, so this is maybe not uh, the best solution either. And now we are looking at it differently and say, well, maybe we can we can use it as ammonia itself. Indeed, the calorific value, the energy value compared to hydrogen is is, is much less, but uh, there is at least a chance that it could be uh, ready uh, sooner, and uh, at least uh, participate right to reduce those uh, those CO two emissions. Uh, at least it would be the first step uh, before we can do uh, something different. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's a complicated picture and a, or a cloudy crystal ball would be a better description. So I understand something. Is the proposal, because at the moment I kind of get this, I get the concept of green ammonia. There's obviously also green hydrogen. Is there the theory out there that people would make green hydrogen, then transport it as ammonia and then crack it back into hydrogen at the other end? Or is it much more efficient just to make green ammonia and then use that as the carrier for hydrogen? Yeah, I think, no, you're right. It's exactly uh, the main question everybody's asking uh, himself, right, at the moment. For sure, transporting hydrogen today in um, big volumes, right? I mentioned um, um, ammonia, you can transport 25,000 tons of ammonia on one ship. We know how to do it. We do this uh, for decades. It's uh, it's well known. You have a lot of uh, facilities, uh, organized storage, etc. Hydrogen? No, that does not exist. You don't have a ship today capable of transporting hydrogen in that form, right? I mean, it's just technologically complicated, in uh, almost impossible today, right? Uh, there is no ship owners capable of doing it. So you cannot transport hydrogen, right? Full stop. Today, it's, it's impossible. You, I mean, not, not in large scale. So you, you cannot create a market out of it. But you, you can do it with ammonia. So I guess that uh, logically, ammonia as a carrier for hydrogen to certain areas where they have the ability to distribute hydrogen. As I said, in the US, maybe you can do this, right? Maybe you can import ammonia in the US, crack it down to uh, back to hydrogen and distribute it. That works. But in other places in the, in the world where you don't have this network, hydrogen network, huh? I'm, I'm saying, available, then maybe it's, it's better to invest directly into an ammonia distribution system inland, right? Then you import ammonia and you don't crack it down and back to hydrogen, right? 
you distribute it in, in the form of ammonia, in in refrigerated manner, in, in pressurized manner. You, you you can build pipe or or move it by rail cars or by by trucks sometimes if possible. That that does exist, right? And that is probably the easiest way to go. Just to be clear, though, it is technologically feasible that you can have ammonia on site. I don't know next to your car or household and crack it into hydrogen and then put it in the fuel cell? Technologically, yes. There's probably a future for, for that kind of um, use. But let's not forget that ammonia remains uh, a gas, right? And um, a, a dangerous g- uh, gas to inhale, right? So um, I'm, I'm not sure that people would like to have uh, ammonia tank as, as small as it could be next to their place or in their garage. I think that that point will remain a limit to the expansion of uh, ammonia or hydrogen, by the way. I don't know if it's an unfair question. I guess my original question was, does it still make sense to generate green hydrogen, convert it into ammonia, transport, or is it? are you more calorifically efficient to just make ammonia straight off and use that and then turn that into hydrogen down the road? It's necessary, first let me say this, it's necessary today to produce green ammonia, right? Anyway. Because if you want to reach the targets that uh, we are aiming for CO2 emissions, right, and the way we produce ammonia today is too, I mean, it's too much CO2 uh, emitting, right? So, so um, I don't know, depending on numbers, you can consider 1.5 to 2 um, tons of CO2 emitted for 1 tons of um, ammonia produced today using hydrogen based on natural gas. So you have to do something about it, right? So you, we have to go to, to green, green production, right? So I'm not so sure about um, uh, ammonia carrier as for, for, for hydrogen, right? Or for, for the shipping industry. But for sure, the production of green ammonia will be there. Right? Once it will be there, it will, it will open new gates, right? New territories. And then this hydrogen carrier is clearly one. Right, so it will not make sense in a, in a, every places of the world, and probably in very few places of the world it would make sense. Like in Japan, for example, right? You you, you need to have a clear will uh, from the government to invest massively on this. I mean, it can be used as an energy. It's a fantastic energy, hydrogen, of course, right? It's a, it's an ultimate energy, the best of uh, of of, of uh, every energy available on Earth, but you have to have the distribution system ready for this. I'm not sure if there's many places in the world where it would be the case. In other places, you could still use ammonia. You don't, no need to crack it back to hydrogen, use it on the form of ammonia, and use it as an energy. Of course, the energy value is much less, but still, it could make sense because it's, uh, it's some, it could bring solutions in certain parts of Africa, for example. Right? But... If you are capable of producing ammonia, right, out of green energy, right, solar and wind, and if your technology is sufficiently advanced to be economical and you control it, then you will be able to produce ammonia everywhere in the world, right? That's a big, there's a big difference in the future with the world of today, where, as I explained before, we have to come from countries where natural gas is available to countries where Precisely, the natural gas is not available, but ammonia is needed, right? But uh, otherwise, if you consider that you can, you have uh, wind and sun everywhere on Earth, right? So basically, you can produce ammonia everywhere on Earth. Then the scale of ammonia plant can also be smaller, 
today, as I said, 400 to 700,000 tons per year is, uh, is average size. But if you can produce it everywhere, you don't need to produce that big volume anymore, right? You can go to 50, 60,000, even lower. And then uh, it could become a solution, an energy solution locally in certain places, right? Where you don't need to invest massively in a very expensive infrastructure to distribute that ammonia. Concretely, let's say you go in the, in the middle of Africa and, you, and you know, there is an energy needed over there and uh, you produce uh, 5,000 tons of ammonia per year. It's very small, small uh, scale uh, plants, right? Uh, you're using the sand, for example, and, and you can produce it. Then it takes you just a few trucks to distribute this ammonia around and this ammonia can be burned as a fuel, right? And you can create electricity with this ammonia. You, you don't need massive investments. Right. With hydrogen, it's completely different. Hydrogen will, uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's a very dangerous gas, right? It's, you know, uh, in terms of safety, also have to consider that uh, building a hydrogen tank everywhere would be uh, very costly and also very dangerous. So I doubt it could be done everywhere, right? So that's why the ammonia as an energy will come naturally once we'll be able to control right sufficiently well the production of uh, green ammonia and the production of green ammonia today is uh, okay is looking at, the, at those markets in the future right because of course this is what this is a dream this is what this is a target this is where we want to go but in the meantime they will have to produce ammonia for exactly the same consumer of ammonia today right whether they like it or not it will it will be uh, it would be the market base would be the market base of today there's no differential pricing right now or policies no where does that leave an ammonia trader because you can kind of i can imagine that's a real challenge right and a lot of this is, is so analogous with what what else is going on is you've got this future use case of ammonia as an energy it's really hard to tell whether that's 10 years or 20 years. There's obviously, there is policy support, you know, and, and the need for the ammonia industry itself to start producing green ammonia, given how carbon intensive it is and how impactful that will be now and then certainly in the future. I mean, that makes it quite a, a, a challenging environment, I imagine, for both producers to manage investment and also for, I guess, how to position yourself as a trader. A commodity trader has a role to play uh, as long as the world would be uh, imperfect, right? You know, the, the day, as I just said, <laughs> if you have a production at every corner at, for every street and, and a consumer there, then I, I suppose we don't, need, um, we don't need traders. So we are, we are here to regulate the market because by principle, it's, it's imperfect. The, the production will never match exactly the consumption in one place and there will always be excess of ammonia somewhere and, and, and need of ammonia somewhere else. On top of everything else, the ammonia is, is also gas, so which um, we tend to store in limited capacities. So, you know, when it's very easy to get uh, out of stock and then the consumers, they prefer to rely on um, traders like us that would um, um, put the supply chain and the logistic at the center of their business model, right? So we are specialized in, in logistic and there will be logistic issues or logistic opportunities everywhere all the time. So that's the future for, for traders is exactly the same principle of what has uh, made the traders, how can I say, in the middle of everything until now. So I think that the future for us, right, 
will become uh, clearly uh, what we want it to be, right? Because if we don't participate to this uh, green revolution, then it will be more complicated for the producers to come with solutions. They, they need people like us to tell them, look, if you if you want to produce green ammonia, we clearly entertain this, right? Well, and the world needs it. We need more ammonia by definition, and then it has to be green, of course. So we are here to facilitate this, right, to entertain it, and to and and therefore, if that ammonia would be able to be moved, right, and, and therefore exists, right, then the market will come. If on the other side um, we do nothing, right, uh, I'm talking about us because we are uh, an important trader in the marketplace, but there are also other traders, right. So all the traders collectively, if we do nothing about it. Then they will leave it to the producers. They will have difficulties uh, to justify the investments. Then maybe you, you can also imagine that after a period of time, the potential markets for this green ammonia will disappear, right? Because yeah. right, if there is no no way to to supply this ammonia, then they will they will look for an alternative. So that's what I'm saying. The future will be what we collectively, the traders, want it to be. So Tramo, we 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 want to take the lead in this and show uh, to everybody that we are taking all the ammonia that, that can be produced in the world because the market is there if we are able to supply it, right? So it's very important that this uh, this production, this green production becomes mature, if I may say, relatively uh, rapidly, right? Uh, no more than 10, 15 years. Otherwise, I guess uh, it will be, it will be a, a different animal. It's a phenomenal opportunity when you step back and you think that here is a product that's primarily being used 90%, as you say, in fertilizer, which is sort of ring-bounded by the agricultural markets, which are also always advancing in efficiency, to suddenly saying, actually, ammonia could be the, if not the fuel, then certainly the conduit for the future energy economy. That's a, uh, that's a your playing field just got um, substantially bigger. Exactly right. It's, it's something that uh, we could not expect 20 years ago, right? We, we knew that it was possible to produce um, ammonia with electrolyzers. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a new technology. I, I, I can't say how long it's in existence, but it's something that more than 50 years uh, for sure, right? But it was never really explored in a, in a large scale because it was, it was just too expensive. There is no, no willingness to invest time and money in uh, in green energy production, right? What the, the big difference today is that the majors, the markets, are clearly saying, "Hey, we want to produce wind farms, right?" So we want to, you know, I mean, you have an announcement about a new wind farm, uh, the larger in the world um, every day, almost these days. Those guys are changing the market, not us, right? Because they are there to say the green energy is going to be available. And we are going to invest massively on it. I mean, we're talking about a lot of money there, right? We, as traders, we can just adapt, right? We are not here to lead those investments. But now that uh, those big guys, big boys are, are making those big investments, the energy will be there. So indeed, we are in the middle of a market which can grow a, a multiple of um, two, three, five times its its present size uh, because investments uh, are are being made uh, at the moment, right? On the pure energy side. Yeah. Well, it's certainly a, a fascinating space. I mean, we're all seeing a lot more interest in ammonia than there was five years ago. And again, it's as with all these things, it's, 
challenging and tricky to navigate, but the, the rewards are there. And, and certainly this is a confluence of trends that are supporting green ammonia. Well, I, I really enjoyed the discussion, Christoph, and thanks so much for your uh, unique insights. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you for the invitation. It was nice talking to you as well. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support the show, please give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. To find out more about HC Insider and Human Capital, a search firm dedicated to the commodities sector, go to www.hcinsider.global, where you'll find more original content on the commodities sector and more details on our offering as a search firm and our locations around the world. Thanks again for listening.